Father, thank you for your word this morning and uh, just thank you for this series. Thank you that we're laying Jesus Christ as the foundation of all we are, our individual life, our home, our family, so, certainly our church and beyond. So Holy Spirit, teach us this morning. Ignite us once again with fresh fire in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys know that it's God's will that every time we gather, we do so in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. There is never a time that we gather together as the saints of God that He does not, it is not His will for us to gather in the power and the presence and the present tense ministry of the Holy Spirit. Do I prepare? Yes, I prepare. But more important than ministering out of my preparation is ministering out of the presence of God that's in the room in this moment. Does that make sense? The church is not a memorial to something Jesus did 2,000 years ago. We are a voice and demonstration of what God is currently saying and doing in this hour. Because we have a living relationship with the living God and His living Word. I would even say His living voice. It is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. When they were uh, eating manna, they couldn't eat yesterday's manna the next day. Day by day. Everybody say day by day. So we're going to continue our series, our new series on the centrality of Jesus. And it is the necessity of Him being the foundation of our individual lives, our homes, our families, our church, and beyond. And I need you to discern the times that we're living in and come to Jesus Christ. Discern the times we're living in. Thank your Heavenly Father that everything that is shakable in the world has been proven so, has been proven so. And if you're still leaning on something that's worldly, I can promise you it's going to come under siege because everything that can be shaken and proven fallible will be shaken in this hour until everyone gets a hold of the reality that only Christ and His kingdom is unshakable. That if I'm going to be anchored to something, I'm going to anchor myself and my family, my church, uh, my relationships outside of church. I'm going to anchor to Jesus Christ. So on the centrality of Jesus Christ. By the way, I don't have an iPad, so let's go to, let's go to the very first slide. First Corinthians chapter one, verse one. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes our brother. I want you, I'm going to read ten verses here and Jesus or Christ or both or Lord or He is mentioned like eleven times. So this is Paul's opening, you know, letter to the church at Corinth. And I want you to notice the centrality of Jesus Christ. Paul's called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ to the will of God. And Sosthenes, our brother. Thank you, Gavin. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are what? Sanctified in Christ Jesus. Called to be saints. In who? In Christ Jesus. With all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and... The Lord Jesus Christ. Are you catching on yet? Jesus is kind of a big deal in church. And why we would preach anything else other than Jesus Christ, I have no idea. Thank, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by Him, in all utterance and knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed where? In you. 
so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm uh, you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You're called to fellowship with Christ. And do you think that's an hour on a weekend? The word is koinonia for fellowship. The Greek word is koinonia. It's literally partnership. You're called to deep fellowship and partnership with the Lord Jesus Christ. My goodness. Verse 10. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same language and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment or discernment. How about that? They got their calling from Jesus Christ. They got their identity from Jesus Christ. They were sanctified through Jesus Christ. Their grace and peace came through Jesus Christ. They took their orders from Jesus Christ. They took their understanding of who God is from Jesus Christ. Everything was centered on His Lordship and His leadership. And then verse 10, man, don't miss it. Why are there no divisions here at Grace Church? Why no schisms in the body? Uh, why no strife and division? Because it's all centered on Jesus Christ. Our unity is based on Him. Our unity in the Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. Amen. Because we're centered on Him, we're founded on Him, we're going after Him. Everything we do as a church is going to be to connect people to Jesus Christ. So they can have a living relationship with the living God and His living Word. That's John 17, verse 3, where Jesus said, This is eternal life, that they know You, Father, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. So we speak the same language here. We have the same heart. We have rallied we're united around a mission not a meeting we're not we're not united today in a meeting we're united around the mission this meeting serves the mission what's the mission know him walk with him every day be madly in love with him forsake the world it'll fail you anchor to jesus get tethered to jesus have a living relationship with the living god on a daily basis amen somebody all we are and all we do has Jesus at the foundation. Outreaches, yes. Services, yes. Even money we give to other ministries and missions is for the purpose of connecting people to Jesus. And then connecting them with people who also know Jesus and can help them to walk intimately with Him. Boy, I love that. So... We're not random. Everything we do has purpose. It has focus, has intentionality so you can know Jesus. We want to get you abiding. If you're not abiding, that's John 15, verse 4 and 5, get you connected. Jesus said, abide in me, live, remain, stay, dwell, live connected to me. And you'll what? Bear much fruit. What's the command? Go bear a bunch of fruit. Hope he liked it. Or is the command to abide? What's the byproduct? You bear much fruit. You start looking like Him. You walk in His ways. You, his character and nature is seen in you. When your spouse yells at you, you respond as pure as the wind-driven snow. <laughs> 
You overcome uh, vitriol with love. Why? Because you're abiding. We, we don't abide for an hour on Sunday and then go live however we want. He's not, that's, he's not Lord if you're doing that. He's not Lord of your life. But because I'm abiding, if Stacy gets upset with me and lashes out at me, then I can overcome anger with love. And, and Christ is formed in me, right? Because I'm connected to Him. Aren't we funny though? We'll just live totally in the flesh and then like, Lord, they hurt my feelings, man. You know, after we repay evil for evil and dig ourselves a giant hole. Lord, help me out of this. <laughs> okay, so we're abiding, then we're walking His ways and then we're going to do His works. We're going to help others get connected to the vine. We're going to make disciples. We're going to preach the gospel of the kingdom, the lordship of liberty, right? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. When he's lording you, you're a free person. When the world is lording you, you're deceived. And it may be fun for a while, but in the end, it can't satisfy. There's no life in the world. So we're in a culture war in this country. And I got news for you. It's not Republicans versus Democrats. (laughs) It's not right versus left. The culture war is not even good versus evil. The culture war is what the world says is good and what God says is good. Because the world wants to redefine what God calls good and what God calls evil. So the culture war is going on. But did I mention it's not Republicans versus Democrats? Yeah, I still can't get much help on that, but that's all right. One such example of the culture war, war that we're in is the world is defined now. Okay, let me, let's go to America. America is now defined culturally what a Christian is, what a Christ follower is. It sounds like this. Uh, 66%, according to George Barna, 60% of Americans are Christians. But their language is because I go to church because I do more good things than bad things, because I believe in God. The percentage of people on this planet who believe there is a God is 90-something. Okay, so that does not mean you're born again. The demons believe that God exists and tremble. Our culture says, well, I'm a Christian because I was born in America. I was <laughs> I'm a Christian because I know some of the Bible. But the Lord has given us five theologically sound, Bible-based character traits, I believe, of an authentic Christ follower. Five life-altering decisions that true Christ followers walk out in order to lay Him as the foundation in their life. Okay, so here it is. How do we lay the foundation of Jesus in our life? Home and family, grace, church, and beyond. Know who He is. Know His person. Know His work, His mission, what He came to do. Know and obey His teaching. Know His authority, because it's yours now, and know His voice. Isn't it possible to go to church, be an American, maybe even believe Jesus existed, and not know who He is? Absolutely. You read about George Washington in your history book, but you never met him. That's the state of the church in the West. We read a lot 
about Jesus, but have we met him? Do we know him internally, experientially? Gnosko, which is John 17, 3. That's where he's taking us because the Lord doesn't want you to just be aware of Jesus. Even ponder knowing Jesus. How about valuing Jesus? That's a good idea. I really value that people should know Jesus. I wish my neighbor would know Jesus better. But there's a big jump from valuing the idea of knowing Jesus to prioritizing your life, ordering your life around knowing Him. Ordering your life, prioritizing your life around knowing Him. That's when you move from, yeah, that's a good idea. I think people should know Jesus. He was a great teacher or whatever, to He's the center. He's the foundation of who I am. My home and family, my church and beyond. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10. According to the grace of God which was given me, like a wise master builder, Paul said, I laid a foundation and another's building on it, but each man must be careful how he builds upon it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is already laid, and that is Jesus Christ. Be careful how you build. Be, be careful what you build upon. When we get into knowing his teaching, Jesus said in Matthew 7, don't be like the foolish man who built his house on sand. Who are those people? They hear my voice, they hear my word, they don't do it. Oh, I got to give you John 17, 3. I've been quoting it. Here it is. So let's talk about this very first one. Get to know his person. If you If you are a authentic Christ follower, then you're going to make a commitment to get to know him. I want to know him and experience who he is through, everybody say it, relationship. John 17, 3, this is eternal life. Jesus said that they know you, the one and only true God, Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Uh, There's not a more important statement that's ever been spoken on this planet than that one right there. This is eternal life. That they would know. And I shared last week, the word know is gnosko. It means to know, especially through personal experience and firsthand knowledge. Let me recap Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23. I'm not going to take you there. But it's the uh, scripture where Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And they'll, uh, But only those who do the will of my Father. I love that. So then he's going to tell you what the will of the Father is because he said, they'll say, hey, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we prophesy? Didn't we feed the poor? Didn't we go to Grace Church? Didn't we do, you know, join the outreach team? And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. The word knew there in the Greek is gnosko. It is a personal, intimate, experiential knowing, spirit to spirit. When you got born again, you get born again, your spirit becomes brand new. You become a new creation. You're not who you used to be. And I get that you still, you see some of that old man show up, okay? I I get it. But by faith, he is dead. And I am becoming who I really am on the inside. Remember when Jesus said, why do you Pharisees clean the outside of a man? Why do you clean the outside of the cup? If you'll clean the inside first, make make the tree good. And its fruit will be good. He said that different passage, Matthew 12. But he said, if you clean the inside of the cup, the outside will naturally become clean, which goes with what I said about Matthew 12. He said, if you'll make the tree good, its fruit will be good. So what did he come to do? Make the tree good. Where? Where it counts on the inside, in your heart. In your heart. That's why politics can't save our country. Politics cannot 
change the heart of a human being. Maybe they make us conform to something or whatever. They can't change our heart and who we love. It is God's will that every one of us know Jesus Christ. It's not enough, church, to do good or be good. You have to know Him. And the Father's will, when you look up that word in the Greek, uh, where Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my Father. The will of the Father means to in-birth His very presence in you so you can know Jesus Christ. Well, that's powerful. So let's talk about the how. I think we're all in the same boat. Hey, I want to know Jesus. I'm going to make a commitment. I want to know Him. I want to know His person. I want to know who He is. So we're going to order our life around it, and you may have some thoughts. So let's take 30 seconds this morning. I want you to ask the Lord this question. Go ahead and close your eyes. I think that helps us concentrate. Ask the Lord this question. Lord, what would it look like for me if I actually ordered my life around knowing you? Ask him that, and then I encourage you just write it down, put it in your phone. Write it on a card there in front of you. Lord, what would it look like for me if I actually ordered my life around knowing you? I think even with that, Lord, are there things, is there even an area of time you'd like me to shift, prioritize knowing you? Help us, Lord. What would it look like for me if I actually ordered my life around knowing you? And then I just felt, is there something even specific you'd like for me to do? as a first step amen church and then uh, my advice is do it whatever he just told you (laughs) do that and get started get started i want to also ask you this question as we launch out into i want to know his person who is jesus to you today what are the what's the character traits that exist between you and jesus right now And maybe you think, when you think of your walk with Jesus or who He is, maybe where you're at today is you think He's distant. Maybe you think He's demanding. Maybe you think He's disappointed. If if you have any of those, those are all lies. So exchange the truth of God for those lies. He is not distant. He is in you. If you're born again, if you've you prayed that prayer, Jesus come into my heart. He is in there. Amen. And then number two, he's not demanding; he's your supply. Amen. You got you got an old covenant lens on if you think he's demanding things from you. New covenant is he's supplying you. He will not ask you to go love your neighbor without first loving you. And giving you the love to love your neighbor with. Giving you the lens to see your neighbor how he saw him when he died for him. Christ is in you. The hope of what? Glory. What is glory? It is his manifest presence, yes. But it's his view and opinion and perspective. Some of you don't love well because you don't have the Lord's perspective of people. I remember being in that. I was doing a conference last year in Oklahoma City. 
And one of the leaders of the conference came up after I shared and publicly repented for his hatred of Nancy Pelosi. He, he, he did. He said, I literally hate, hated that woman. But Steve is right. And as he was preaching, I began to see her, how the Lord saw her. And I began to pray for her. Why would he pay the price he paid to come live inside of you and then not talk to you, not give you his view of life? He is your life. You can't even see without him. Which is why we don't shame all the sinners and tell them to all change so Jesus will love them. He loves them where they are. Their only hope of seeing their sin as sin is he's got to come in there and he's got to begin to show them. So let them come to him as they are. Don't put conditions on it. Well, if you quit doing that sin, then you can get saved. No! They have no hope of living holy without the Holy One. He's got to go in there first. Come on, give Him praise in the house of God. We're not here to shame all the sinners. We're to to love them. We're the living epistle. You may be the only Bible they're reading. Well, the whole heart of the Bible is reconciliation of God and man. My goodness, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. God was where? In Christ. Reconciling the world to Himself. Not imputing their trespass against them. And He's committed to us this ministry of reconciliation. Amen. So He's not demanding. He's supplying And if you think he's disappointed, he's not disappointed. He's here to encourage you. He he believes in you. Think he didn't know your shortcomings before he died for you? And he still died for you. It was never about your ability. It's only about your availability. Why did he burn with anger towards Moses? And I think it was Exodus 4. Not because Moses didn't think Moses could deliver the people of Israel, God got mad because Moses didn't think God could do it through him. God's not asking you to do anything except let him. Let this mind be in you that's also in Christ Jesus. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom. Let him. Let God arise and watch his enemies scatter. You got to go to church and be taught not to worship. (laughs) Well, we don't do that here. Well, if they're doing it in heaven, buddy, let's do it. <laughs> oh, sorry, Lord. That was off. That was not my notes. So, start to examine, hey, what's the, what's the character trace between me and the Lord? And begin to exchange the truth of God for the lie. Because getting you born again was the easy part. But getting you to quit believing all the lies that you're latched onto, that's the more challenging part. But that's exactly what he's come to do. He's going to come with his spirit into your spirit, life you, you become a new creation, and then from his spirit he'll renew your mind if you'll let him. And that's how we begin to change uh, your behavior. Your belief about yourself is way more important than your behavior. As a man thinks in his heart. So is he. So God had to convince you that you were righteous before he could ever get you to live righteous. 
And some of you, why are you still needing to be convinced? Because you look to yourself to be righteous. And you, the day Jesus stepped foot on this planet and went to the cross, you should have ceased from your own efforts to be righteous. Because that's God basically saying, you can't do it, I'll do it for you. God had to convince you you were righteous before he could get you to live righteously. So how did he convince you? He bypassed your performance and did it for you. And said, will you receive this gift of righteousness? Amen. And the Lord is so good. You know, I've had my share of bouts with lies throughout the course of my life. But you've just got to exchange the truth of God for the lie. Most recently, just feeling like the Lord's disappointed in me. You know, I've just been in the fog. I'm not, I'm not seeing everything well. He's like, Steve, I'm not disappointed in you. I'm using everything you've been through to build your confidence to rely on me and never on yourself. We sang about it this morning. All things work together for good. That's what he's doing. So getting people to come to Jesus is one thing. Receive him is one thing. But now let's get him to walk with him and get to know him. God cares every bit as much about the marriage as he does about the wedding. And the church, all we did was celebrate weddings. Yay, they got saved. Send it in to the committee. Send it in to the denomination. We'll tell them how many people got saved. Sign the card. How many people are you discipling? How many people are are being taught that Jesus cares about the marriage, the day-to-day union that bears children with Him? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Bears the fruit of His nature and His character. What if the whole war on this planet is over whose nature is going to be revealed? Lucifer's or the Lord's? That's what the war over the humans is about. Lucifer wants to manifest his nature of pride and self-centeredness and ego over the nature of God of self-giving love. Goodness. Kindness. Amen. So, how do we get to know his person? Here we go. Number one, the gift of the indwelling Holy Spirit. You'll notice in Acts chapter 2, encourage you, there's your homework for this week. Read Acts chapter 2, sit with the Lord in it. Notice what Peter preaches. He's going to talk around verse 22. It picks up after the, the Holy Spirit comes to the upper room. He talks about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say, hey, believe all that. He says, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit because this promise is for you and for your children and all those who are far off. We can't, as the body of Christ, take the first three, the life, death, and burial, or resurrection, sorry, of Jesus Christ and not take the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the whole reason He died for your sin. He had to cleanse you so the holiness, the Holy Spirit, the person of God could move inside you. Do you not know that you're the temple of the living God? 1 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 6, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. How did that happen? Jesus died for you. His sacrifice was enough to make you righteous. I love that. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. So uh, what else? Abiding. We do talk about that a lot, so I don't know how much I'll talk about it. Sitting in Scripture with the author. Talk about eat the word. 
February 21st. That's a big part of that. Utilizing prayer as a place of intimacy. I love this about prayer, and the Lord had to shift this with me. And maybe I could write, let's add a fifth one, can we? Number five, be around Jesus' people. You want to get to know Him? Be around Jesus' people who really do love Him and know Him. It's not on the screen, but... Let's go back to number four. The work of prayer is to be silent and listen to the voice that says good things about you. And even the bad things are good things. (laughs) What am I saying? Henry Nguyen said this, the real work of prayer is to be silent and listen to the voice of the Lord. He defined it as the voice of the one who says good things about you. I added, even the bad things are good things. Meaning when he points out an area, I'm struggling, I've got flaws, whatever, I'm broken. I've never felt so loved as when he points out those things because he doesn't do it with condemnation. He does it with light and hope and power and truth. Yeah, to make me more like him. Listen to this on prayer. The purpose of prayer is relationship, not religion. Prayer is not something, some other discipline we add to our resume to prove how spiritual we are. What is the purpose of prayer? Relationship. And then number three, the dialogue of prayer. So the work of prayer is to be silent. The purpose of prayer is relationship. The dialogue of prayer is two-way. The Lord said, Steve, I already know you, so you can quit talking. You need to know me. (laughs) So you need to listen to me. See, even when he said it, I felt loved. Because what was he saying? I talk too much in prayer. Jesus said, the Father knows what you have need of even before you ask. But if the purpose of of prayer is not gimme, 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 I'm scared to death, Lord, I got to have this or I can't be happy, then we, we get way off. Gimme, gimme, gimme. My middle name is Jimmy. My last name is Moore. (laughs) No, the purpose of prayer is relationship. The dialogue of prayer is two-way communication. And he already knows me, so I need to listen up. I need to utilize prayer as a place of intimacy. That's the purpose of prayer. But I'm not going to talk about that today. Oh, one, one other thing. While you're in prayer and intimacy with the Lord, ask tough questions. Ask tough questions. How about, how about this one? Lord, why does that person make me angry? Are you willing to die to your flesh? Are you willing to die to your pride, your self-defense mechanisms? Lord, why is it when that person says those things, it really cuts me? What's going on in me? I call it following Jesus inwardly in prayer. Follow him inwardly. Search me, O God, and know my heart. It's biblical. Is there any wicked way in me? But what a great tough question. And then whatever he says do, (laughs) well, Gavin, the reason is because of blank. Take heed to it and do it. Whatever he asks you to do. I told you about the, uh, there was a Chinese student and a Japanese student, both in college, and they shared the same chemistry class, and uh, they hated each other. I don't know either one of them personally, 
but it was a story that E. Stanley Jones had told. And uh, they hated each other for whatever reason. And one day the Japanese student took very ill. He wasn't at class for a period of uh, a couple of weeks. The Chinese student eventually uh, inquired of the teacher what's happened. And the guy's teacher said, uh, he's become deathly ill. So uh, the Lord, I mean, think about this. This this Chinese student claims to know the Lord, so he's with the Lord, and he says, I need you to go see him. So <laughs> what do you do? You do it. So he went to the dorm room. Turns out the guy doesn't have any help, no friends, basically all that. He's on his own fighting this illness. And the Lord said, feed him. So every day for the next week, the Chinese student is taking soup to the Japanese student and they became fast friends. So again, Lord, what is it in me? What is it in me? Am I willing to die to my, well, biases or prejudices so you can be Lord of my heart? That's where we're going. That's what I want. I want him to be Lord of Steve's heart. So I'm going to spend the rest of my time on this first one, getting to know Jesus Christ by the indwelling Holy Spirit. Uh, see if I have that. Yep, right here. Look at this, guys. You want to commit to knowing the person of Jesus? Knowing Jesus through the gift of the indwelling Holy Spirit is number one. John 15, 26, Jesus said, When the Helper, that's the Holy Spirit, when He comes, whom I'll send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify of me. You want to know Jesus? Fall in love with the Holy Ghost. Because He is in you to declare and testify and reveal and teach you who Jesus is. Well, hallelujah. Do you know that the disciples knew Jesus better after He left? than when he walked right next to him. Why? Because you can't get closer than inside. John 16, he said, it's better I go away. And they got to be thinking, that can't be. But little did they know, once he died on the cross, because this is pre-cross, when he said, it's better that I go away. Once I die for you, I'm coming back to you. And I won't be next to you, I'll be inside of you. And the love and the power and the grace and the intimacy with God that you saw in my heart and life is going to be active on the inside of you, my brethren. Come on, give God praise. Give Him praise. That's what we're shouting about. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. It's not just that He died. Why did He die? So He could live inside of you. And you could have an intrapersonal, intimate relationship with the indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit. Woo. I'm going to show you a scripture here in a minute, and I might take off running. But the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all live inside of you. They have come to make their home on the inside of you. So Jesus, lead, Jesus leads us primarily by the Holy Spirit. How many of you want to know Him? Show of hands. How many of you want to know His voice? Okay, you want to be led by Him? His primary way is the Holy Spirit. And He comes into our spirit and from our spirit there to renew our mind. He's always leading us. If you're born again, the Spirit is in there. So let's begin to acclimate to His voice. Okay, He's in there. He's always leading. We're just not always heeding. He's always leading, but are we always heeding His voice? We need to. We're going to train ourselves to. Uh, I mentioned earlier, the purpose of Eat the Word is to help us learn to better hear the voice of Jesus within us using the integrity of Scripture. 
That's so powerful. It's one thing to tell a new believer, hey, go into the closet, turn the light off, and tell me what Jesus said. Come out an hour later. I mean, maybe they'll come up with something, or they might come out with dinosaurs and ships sailing in the night. <laughs> and wild four-footed beasts. I mean, you don't know what's going what's gonna to be said. But you can give them John 3.16 and say, let's look at this scripture together. Let's invite the Lord to speak personally to you. What's he highlighting to you in John 3.16? And it's crazy because some, it's initially for God. And they're like, God sticks out to me. Wow, God cares about me. And then so loved. Other people are like, no, it's, it's love. I can't believe he loves me. What is the word love there? Is it agape? What kind of love is this? I want to study it. Give me some parameters to this word love. What does it mean? And then somebody else might say the world, maybe an evangelist <laughs> gifting might say he loves the world. He doesn't just love me, but we we sit with them, with the Lord, so they can learn to hear His voice and diagnose what the voice of the Master sounds like. There's a lot of voices going on in our world. A lot of voices telling you who you are, what you have, what you can be, what you're not, all that. Look at the Internet. Look at media. Look at television. It's everywhere. Those are voices. Why do we get so jacked up in America today? It's Just go back to Genesis. After the fall, what did he, what did he say? Who told you you were naked? Some of you, he's asking, who told you you were no good? Who told you you wouldn't amount to anything? I never said that. The, the, God doesn't ask questions for information. Fair enough? So when he says, who told you you were naked, it wasn't because he didn't know. He's wanting them to realize you have been piped up, taken your umbilical cord and hooked to a different voice. I never told you that. That's a lie. All that shame and guilt you're feeling. And God is gracious. He put the leaves on them and then went to work on the plan of restoration. But get a hold of that. It's about hearing the voice of the Lord. Getting equipped to help other people hear the voice of the Lord. Amen. It doesn't stop with us. Once we're hearing the voice of the Lord, we can help other people to acclimate to His voice as well. The gift of the Holy Spirit will testify of Jesus. He'll reveal Jesus to you and He'll reveal Jesus on the inside of you. This word, John 15, 26, where it says, uh, He will testify of me. I looked it up in the Strong's. Here's what it means. That you testify or bear witness of that you've seen or heard or experienced Jesus by divine revelation and inspiration. And it is, it is a divine revelation. Remember when Jesus told Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my Father who's in heaven. It is by divine revelation. You can't cram Jesus down somebody's throat. But that's his desire. That by divine revelation of the Holy Spirit... We see and know Jesus. Look at Romans 8.10, New Living Translation. And Christ lives where? Come on, what does it say right here? And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life. That word life is zoe. That's the divine life of God now on the inside of you because you've been made right with God. You've been, past tense, made right with God. My goodness. Verse 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives where? In you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He'll give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. 
Boy, that's, that's way better than just church membership. I mean, you got the living Christ on the inside of you. And you need healing. You start, you start feeling sick. Release that inward spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Ask, ask that spirit that's within you to begin to permeate your body. Radiate, emanate throughout your body. Next verse. For if you live by its dictates, you'll die. Talking about the flesh. But if through the power of the spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Did you catch it? How do you put to death the deeds of the sinful nature? How do you do it? By the power of the Spirit. And where's the Spirit? In you. So you're going to identify with the Spirit. You're going to rely on the Spirit. You're going to lean into the Spirit. You're going to agree with the Spirit. Verse 14, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. My goodness. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba Father. That's the word Jesus used, translated in uh, in the Aramaic. Abba is Daddy God. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Isn't that good news, church? Put on the Holy Spirit. Put on all that He says you have. Don't identify yourself by the flesh, but by the Spirit of the living God. Stop saying no to sin and say yes to who Jesus says you are. Stop fighting all these addictions or these sinful behaviors and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Say yes to Him, His leadership, and His life. Now, I'm going to go quickly. John 16, 8. The Holy Spirit convicts you. He convicts you. So you get to know the person of Jesus by knowing what he says is good and what he says is evil, not the world. John 16, 13, Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth, Jesus said. And Jesus also said he is the truth. So the Holy Spirit will guide you into the person and the knowledge and the experience of Jesus. John 3, uh, verse 3 through 6, the Holy Spirit is the agent of new birth. You can't even get born again except by the Holy Spirit. A church cannot make a child of God. I don't care if you join a church. That's not in the Bible. You must be born again. And the church can't make a child of God because spirit begets spirit. Only the spirit of our Father begets spiritual sons and daughters. Oh, hallelujah. John 14, 26. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, will teach you all things. So he's going to teach you about Jesus. You need to welcome the Holy Spirit into your prayer time. Welcome the Holy Spirit into your scripture time. I mentioned before the disciples knew Jesus better after he left because what came? The Holy Spirit came and he came inside of them. In them for intimacy. In them for power. In them for witnessing. In them for authority. In them to teach them. And in them for love. It is a union. Look at this, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Everybody say sealed. Okay, now let me show you this one. 2 Corinthians 1.21. Now he who establishes us, uh, establishes us with you in Christ, and has anointed us. Everybody say, I'm anointed is God who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. 
The Holy Spirit is shed abroad. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart. He's inside you. Why do you strive to love? Don't strive to love. Surrender to the love of the Holy Spirit that's in you. Surrender to it. And life will be produced. When a wife surrenders to her husband, spirit, soul, and body, life is conceived. Life is produced. So the love of Jesus is in your heart. Surrender to Him and let life be produced. Do not strive to be holy. Surrender to the holiness that's in you. Be encompassed by Him. Be filled with Him. All right, let's get back to the word sealed. Everybody say, I'm sealed. By the Holy Spirit. Why is this significant? Because in John chapter 6, verse 27, Jesus said that the Father was pleased with Him and had set His seal upon Him. Now, I believe that happened in Luke chapter 3, verse 21 through 23, when Jesus came up out of the water and the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove alighted upon Him. The heavens opened and the Father said what? You are my beloved Son and you I am So he publicly validates him. That word seal, if you look it up in Bible Hub or in the Strong's Concordance, if you eat that word seal, what it means is that he has validated him. Uh, It's showing ownership. This is my son. He belongs to me. I'm backing him. And it has the connotation of the signet ring. So now you have authority to represent me throughout the whole earth. So Jesus received the seal of his of the Father by the Holy Spirit. And I just gave you two scriptures that say that the Holy Spirit has sealed you. So that means the Father's seal of approval and validation and sonship and ownership and authority with the signet ring to represent Him has been given to you through the person of the Holy Spirit. Is it any wonder the devil didn't want the Holy Spirit in churches for all these years? Just keep it Father, Son, Holy Bible, people. Now, we love the Bible, amen? We love the Bible, but man, the Holy Spirit. When I got the Holy Spirit, the Bible came alive to me. I was now engaged with the author. Revelation exploded in Scripture because of the Holy Spirit. But isn't this powerful? You've been sealed. You can do way more than you thought you can. You're worth way more than you thought you were. The Father's already validated you. The Holy Spirit wouldn't be inside of you if He didn't approve of you. If you weren't His. Amen. So now what's left? Well, live like it's true. Accept it. Believe it. Father, I am who you say I am. Go get the true you book off the shelf out there. Page three and four. I am the righteousness of God. I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit. I'm justified. I'm sanctified. I'm a child of God. Agree with Him. Novel idea. Agree with Him. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12 tells you that all that's freely yours in Christ Jesus. That's the role of the Holy Spirit to show you all that's already yours. How about John 4.24? Your source of true worship is the Holy Spirit. When there's no worship in a church, what do we say? It's dead. Because the life is the Spirit. If there's no worship going on, the Holy Spirit's not there. He is the source of true, authentic, anointed worship. You cannot have anointed worship in form. It's Him. He's the life of our worship. He's the life of our prayer. He's the life of our giving. He's our, the life of our witnessing. He's the life of our evangelism. He's the life of our teaching right now. Is the Spirit of Christ. 
This is not Pastor Steve working up a good message he found on the internet and trying to regurgitate it. This is the life of the Holy Spirit communicating to your spirit that you are who God says you are and that you belong to Him. Give Him praise in the house of God. Amen. All right. One other thing. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 says that you're sanctified by two things, belief in the truth and by the Holy Spirit. So he's your sanctifier. He's going to help you more and more look like Jesus. So yield to him. Let him. Have you figured out yet your spirit man cannot sin? Your spirit man's heaven ready, people. It's one with Christ. 1 John 3, 9 says, Whoever's born of God cannot sin. You cannot sin by the Holy Spirit. Now your flesh, I mean, sure. Unrenewed mind, capable of all kinds of things. But 1 John 3, 9 says, Whoever's born of God cannot sin. It's in the Bible. And he's not talking about you can't do a big piece of stupid. He's saying you can't take your spirit, man, because 1 Peter 1.23 says you've been born again by an incorruptible seed. The word incorruptible means it can't be corrupted. What does that mean? It means that's how powerful the life of God is in your regenerated spirit. My goodness. You are, you are way holier than you think you are. You've got an incorruptible, imperishable, eternal seed, the Word of God living in your spirit, man. And what was our problem again? Right? When you hear that, it's like, man, my team didn't win today. What what is wrong with you? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Okay, John 14. 16 through 23, one of my favorite passages. I will ask the Father, Jesus said, and He'll give you another helper. Capital H, that's the Holy Ghost. That He may abide with you for how long? Forever. Don't tell me He's distant. He's in you. The the helper is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see Him. So the world only believes what they can see. Don't be like the world. You know Him because He remains with you and He will be where? In you. He's, he's prophesying the Holy Spirit's going to be inside you. Verse 18, I will not leave you as, uh, as orphans. I will come to you. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to ascend and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. Look at this next verse. After a little while, the world no longer is going to see me, but you'll see me because I live, you'll also live. So they're going to see him by the Spirit. Verse 20, on that day you will know that I'm in my Father and you're in me and I'm in you. On what day? The day I come back to you. You'll know that I'm in the Father, you're in me, and what? I'm in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them, that's who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I will love him and look, I will, I will reveal myself to, I'm going to show myself to you. How? By the Spirit. See, he's going to ascend, so it's not physical. I'm going to show myself to you by the indwelling Holy Spirit. Woo, come on, everybody say Holy Spirit. Oh, we need you, Holy Spirit, in this hour, but nothing will be impossible for us. Judas, not Iscariot, said to Jesus, Lord, what are you talking about? You're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world. How's it going to happen? Jesus answered and said, if anyone loves me, he'll follow my word. And my Father will love him, and we, capital W, will come to him and make our dwelling with him. You've got the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost on the inside of you, making their home in you. 
Amen. The gospel of the kingdom of God. How about Galatians 1, 15? But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, Paul said, and called me through his grace to reveal his son, what? In me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I didn't confer with flesh and blood. He didn't say it pleased the father just to reveal the son to me. But reveal the son in me. In you. Yes, he will reveal the son to you. But he wants to reveal Jesus Christ in you. Amen. I think that connotation stands. In you and through you. So that when people see you, they can see him. What if the war on this planet is over whose nature is going to be revealed through the humans? It would make sense that our Father God, in all His genius, would say, you know what? They can't be like me without me. Let me pay the price for all mankind's sin, and whosoever will, can because you can't have love without a choice, can receive my indwelling spirit, and that's how I'll reveal myself in them and through them. Amen. And the devil hates it. Because he wants us to bear his image and his nature. Gavin, you guys can come. I don't know if I got any more after that one. Oh, I do. <laughs> oh, yes. Colossians one twenty seven To the saints, God willed to make known what the wealth of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles is. The mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So God willed to make known to the saints Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is the mystery of the gospel. Verse 28, we proclaim what? We proclaim Him. What should the body of Christ be preaching right now? Him. We proclaim Him, admonishing every person, teaching every person with all wisdom so we can present every person complete in Christ. That word complete is mature. For this uh, purpose I labor, striving according to His power, which works mightily where? Within me. Greek scholars, guess what the word power is in the Greek? Dunamis. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power. Dunamis, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. So Paul is not striving after human effort. He's talking about I labor, I partner with the power of Christ that dwells in me. Last week, or sorry, two weeks ago, with the staff, we were talking about what is a disciple at Grace Church. We want you to abide. We've got to get you connected to the vine. If you don't know Jesus, you can receive him today and start the relationship today. And then we move towards uh, ways where we look like him and we talk like him and then works we partner with him in the work of the ministry and Gavin came up with this great saying I think it's so good we want to know him we want to show him we want to sow him isn't that great everything we're about we want to know him if we do an outreach here we do an event here we want you to know him we ask you to bring your friends what do we want for your friends that they know him and we want to show him we want him to be seen That's why God's on the inside, so he can reveal himself. And then we want to sow him into others. Will you stand with me? My goodness. Thank you, Lord. Why is this so important? Because he's going to use you to connect other people to the vine. 
But first things first, let's all get connected. Let's get connected to the living voice. Begin to know who he is, know his person. Next week we'll look at, uh, know his, I think it's know his uh, mission, know his work. Week after that, know his teaching. We'll get into those. Every head bowed, every eye closed here. Here this morning you say, Brother Steve, I want to get, I want to be born again. Jesus said that you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven and it can't enter you if you're not born of the Spirit. If you'd say, Brother Steve, I want to receive Christ, would you slip your hand up and say, pray for me. Anyone here today, I want to know Jesus in my heart. I want to receive him. Anyone. You've been listening to Grace Church, advancing God's kingdom, one heart at a time. For more, visit us online at gracechurch.community.